What's up, everybody? Hello. Welcome to the Comics Table Welcome podcast. Welcome to the Comics Table. This is a comic comedy podcast for comedians and audiences and fans. But sometimes we just talk about random shit. Yeah, like we hang out at this table. Yep. It's like we're hanging out in the back of a comedy club. We're just right. shooting it. Just you know? talking about whatever's coming up. It's a real bull session. A real hardball back and forth. Yeah, it's a hang. The only thing we're missing is nachos. Sometimes there's a debate. Sometimes yeah. there's agreement. Right. You never know what might happen. Usually I'm saying something that's awkward and kind of putting my foot in my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's crazy that you could fit it all the way to the ankle. Well, it's a lot of practice, sir. It's, uh, yeah, What you, you practice with other op- objects, right? Like sometimes they'll use like a candy bar or like a banana or like a flavor ice, ice pop. Sounds like you know what you're talking about, Patrick. You just gotta you gotta mix up the temperatures. You gotta mix up the textures. Right. It's just like your anus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got there already. Yeah. That's right, baby. Ninety seconds. Stretch in. out the butthole. Talking sphincters. Patrick's getting ready to bottom you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. That's what. That's what it's coming. He said. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be an interesting turn of phrase. Like in 2018, you've got to just make the gender pronoun proper. Yeah, so. that's, or, or, or just like, you know, just gener- that's what they said. That's what they said. Exactly. Yeah. That's so much less funny. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Just like getting rid of the specific gender of that yeah. just makes it instantly less funny. But if it was a, if it was a they or them that said it, you would have to say that. Uh, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the, uh, the police would, uh, Take me to Twitter jail. Yeah, the uh, the PC police. Oh, Here they come. No. Uh, how have you been? Uh, I feel like I haven't talked to you in seven minutes. <laughs> it does feel like a good like seven minutes at least. Um, I'm fine, man. I'm uh, I'm I'm always fighting off a fucking cold. Yeah, you know, like uh, right now I'm like doing all right. I had my uh, matcha and almond milk, like some kind of a hippie piece of shit. Is it working? I don't know. We'll see. And that's yeah. green tea. It's green tea. I really just need to sleep. Is what I need. I need like, I need like a good long sleep. You know, like not, 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 not like a permanent, dead. Sleep. not a permanent one. Just like a. Uh, Why aren't you sleeping much? Oh, various reasons. Uh, I do stupid shit. Well, you know, I'm doing comedy, so I'm out late. You know, get yeah. up late. I got to get up early for the job. Uh, I, I uh, sometimes I I uh, get on the old uh, switch and play. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Is Switch a video game It's uh, the system? N- the newest Nintendo system, and uh, I've gotten pretty ridiculous with it. I want to ask you about that. Yeah. Do video games provide uh, like a relaxation for you, yes. a decompression yes. for you? So they're important to you. Um, I wouldn't say... Well, here's the thing. I feel like video games kind of fall in the same realm as TV, movies, music. It is a entertainment... It's an entertainment medium. The, the main difference is that you are interacting with it, um, but it's like there's a story being told. I mean, video games have gotten so crazy with their level of uh, graphics and 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 kind of production value. Is it problematic, though, that it's leading to sleeping less? Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, that's a ridiculous... I'm ridiculous with video games where I will sacrifice my sleep and my health to play them. And if it's a certain kind of game, I'll get fucking pissed off. Like I used to get when I was 10. Do you throw the controller? Um, Not anymore because I learned my lesson, you know, back in the past where I would break things. And then that was gone then. Yeah. 
Well, I want to kiss your chubby cheeks. It's so good to you to be here yeah. doing another episode of the Comics Table. Oh yeah! Uh, today we have a, an amazing guest, and what's interesting about our guest uh, is that two episodes ago we had a Harvard alum, and today we have another Harvard alum. Everybody, welcome Boy. to the Comics Table, Alejandro, Alejandro Barrero. Oh my God, you guys are getting really hoity-toity with the Ivy League guests. I'm leaning, you know, we, we are, next week we've got a yale Really? Uh, yeah. We're going to get somebody from Brown soon. The, the last Harvard guy was, uh, he was uh, uh, really good at magic yeah. as well as comedy. Harrison Greenbaum. Yeah. Mm, uh, I have no special skills, sorry. Yes, you do. You're very funny. <laughs> Uh, you're a survivor. You're from the Bron- the Bronx. Do you live in the Bronx? I used to. I don't not there anymore. But I grew up in the Bronx. Yeah. Which neighborhood? Uh, Soundview. Soundview. I don't know if you know the Bronx. I've I've I feel like I've heard of the neighborhood. Maybe seen it on a road sign driving through. Yeah, you probably have. If yeah. You've been on the East Side Highway. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, how you doing today? I feel pretty good. Um, uh, I feel great, actually. Yeah, that's happy good. To, happy to be alive. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get into all the reasons why. Alejandro has had a real scrape of a year so far. Uh, yeah, it's been a rough year and a half. Yeah. Well, but. let's. Yeah, I guess let's start in the present, and then you're just one of our favorites. Tristan and I have known you since I think I've started coming around. Laughing Buddha is where we met. Is probably over at the Village Lantern. Uh, but you had a crazy year because you had open heart surgery, right? I had a triple bypass. Yeah. Wow, that's so. That's almost as the, the most bypasses you can get. I think right? the most as you can get is quadruple. I think you get quadruple. So, but you had one. You had one artery that was like, yeah, doing all right. <laughs> I had one artery that was only half clogged, <laughs> and the other two were fully clogged. What do they do with the fourth one? Do they do they clear out the with the clog and keep it going, or or what? what? I'm not sure. I, I guess they left that one alone. But uh, the, do yeah. they have to put like stent? Do they have to put like the stents in it or whatever? To- no, my shit was too clogged to have stents. Wow. So that's why you have to do the open heart surgery. What did what I, I think, what did they say was clogging it up? Like what's what's going on in there? Uh, my shitty lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, the, the Mr. Barrero, your <laughs> shitty lifestyle is really fucking up your, your uh, boombox. No, your like, shitty lifestyle is clogging up the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> uh, just basically uh, years and decades of not treating my body well, of yeah. eating like. Crap! What, what what kind of shit would you? What was your typical diet? Uh, horrible. Uh, go home for dinner, like just greasy, fried, whatever stuff, cheeseburgers. Yeah. Uh, uh, followed by like a pint of ice cream for mm. for oh, dessert. Yeah. Now you're Patrick and language. I, yeah, Patrick yeah. and I both have <laughs> issues with downing pints of ice cream. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just like I'd go to the like grocery store or Seven Eleven and load up on snacks and. I, uh, you guys ever eat till you pass out? Anybody? Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. I've done that a bunch of times. Like, and I, when, I, when I say that to people, I mean it literally. Like, you just eat till you like fall asleep. You wake up and the food is still next to you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, does drinking impact the the artery clogging factor? I think it does. Although yeah. my my problem wasn't really alcohol. Mm. It was just it I, was the food. Yeah, I didn't really drink a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just the food. And then I even I even started smoking for a while. What about was, soda? Did you drink mm, a lot of soda? Ton of soda. Okay, soda is like real bad. Soda, yeah. 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 So, do you have doctor's orders now? Like when you get a new when you get new arteries or yeah. they clean out the old ones, whatever they did. Uh-huh. What is a bypass actually? You get new ones. Basically, uh, 
they take them out of your leg, don't they? Or something? Uh, sometimes or? they take them out the leg. With me, they took them out of my arms. You could um, oh wow, yeah, you could see the scars uh-huh. on my arm, and so they take veins out of either your leg or your arm. And they create another path. They just go around it, basically. Wow. So the the existing one is still there? Yeah. So they just create a new path. So there's... Okay. Uh, That's crazy. It's like a plumbing. It's a plumbing yeah, job. Yeah. Because I, I think it's 50%. If it's 50% or more clogged, they can't do the stent. So you just get a bypass. So your yeah. arteries are still clogged? Yeah. They just created a new gotcha. path for the blood flow. They made a like a, a diversion. I didn't... Yeah. You know what? I didn't actually realize that was what went down with that. You know, you hear bypass and you yeah. don't think about like, what does that actually, I mean, it makes sense just describing yeah. it, but like. Yeah, the technical term is like coronary artery bypass graft. So they're grafting a, a vein. Yeah. You know, under. Yeah. That's some Harvard language. See, yeah. so this guy's a smart guy. Is there, they're basically just trying to get around the clogs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when, how many months ago was the surgery now? How? It was March 19th. So like. Almost three months or wow. two and a half months. That was and the day before my birthday, and I, I feel we're connected. This now. might be yeah, this are. might be kind of scary to talk about, and feel free to be like, "Nah," but like, what were the events leading up to? You know, like, oh, there's a problem. Oh, I was having a uh, uh, shortness of breath, chest pains. I couldn't walk more than like a block, or not even a block, without having to stop. And uh, I thought it was like stomach issues. I thought I had like uh, maybe it was like uh, acid reflux or maybe at worst I had an ulcer. Yeah. So finally, uh, which is like a lesson, never diagnose it yourself. Yeah. Just go to the damn doctor to right. kind of figure out shit for yourself. And uh, when I went to the doctor, he's like, oh, no, that's not acid reflux. Acid reflux isn't affected by motion. Like you don't get it more because you move. Hmm. Uh, you, 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 my, that's when he sent me to a cardiologist. Yeah. So I went to the cardiologist and they did like the heart, um, what's that called? It's kind of like echocardiogram, cardiogram, echocardiogram, just like, kind of like what they do to determine the sex of the baby, but they do it on your heart. Yeah. Where they put the gel and that was fine. But then I did the stress test and I failed gloriously. Like I failed, (laughs) like that's the one where they put you on the treadmill and they put all these attachments to your chest and you walk and I couldn't even walk like a minute and a half without feeling chest pains. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So she took me off and she said, uh, you're going to the emergency room now. Wow. Like she said, sit down. I don't even want you to I don't even want you to walk out of here. And I'm freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so my heart is racing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm freaking out. What she's saying is because the first test I was fine. She did the echo and said, like, your heart, the structure it looks fine. Then the second test, I failed, and, and it was like, ugh, I'm panicking. Yeah. yeah. Mostly I'm worrying about, uh, like, what am I going to tell my dad or what am I going to tell my family? Yeah. Because I know they're going to freak out. Yeah. Um, that was one of the hardest parts is, like, seeing them deal with it. Right. How, now, how do they know uh, how clogged your arteries are? Like, like before they go in, how do they know if they're doing a triple or a okay, double? Okay. Uh, once I got sent to the emergency room, they did uh, what's called, like, I think it's called the angiogram. Where they actually uh, go in, they yeah. went into this wrist. You see, I have uh, scars on both wrists, and they actually go in and they could see your ar- oh, arteries. That sounds, yeah, they put a tiny balloon. Out, Isn't yeah. it a tiny balloon in I'm your? Not sure what it Did is. you get artery? knocked out for that, or were you awake? No, for I was awake for that. Uh, it's not really painful. Uh, you kind of feel a little something, but that's when they go on and, and they see. They determine how clogged it is. Yeah. So if it had been less clogged, they could just they could have done a stent right there and done. 
but it was too clogged. So that's when they told me, no, you're going to need open heart surgery. Wow. And uh, so this is, so I'm just thinking about this in the context of like comedy and like, I, we used to see each other a lot and I know you take breaks every now and again. Um, what was the context of like the year leading up to this? Were you performing a lot or were you sort of on a break? I was on a very long break. I was sick for a time, a long time, and I didn't realize it. Yeah. I didn't realize I was having heart issues for that long because I was feeling these symptoms for a while. Yeah. And I stopped doing comedy. I stopped doing a lot of stuff. Mostly, uh, again, this goes back to like, don't diagnose yourself. I'm here thinking, oh, I think I have an ulcer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was my heart. And so there was that. And that also like, like depression and a lot of other stuff comes into play. So I, I, I actually told myself, like, I actually quit comedy. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Um, I actually stopped doing it. I was like, people would call me, like, if you want to do a show or they send me a message, I'd be like, no, I'm done with comedy. Um, but what I wasn't telling anyone was I just wasn't feeling well. Yeah. I just wasn't feeling well physically. Right. Right. I was a little scared and I was a little, part of it was also like. Well, there was, uh, was there a level of like self-denial where you didn't yeah. really want to find out? Yeah. There totally was. I didn't want to deal with it. There was also like I was unemployed and didn't have health insurance. Uh, So there was also that. Like combined with the physical issues, I lost my job. And this podcast is starting to sound like a country song. (laughs) (laughs) What was your job? I was a paralegal. um, So I got laid off. There was a a company merged with another company and I I lost my job, lost my health insurance. And so that I was like without health insurance for half a year. Yeah. At least. So. Yeah, that's scary when you know you might need health insurance. Yeah, a lot of help. Huh? So, in in going, getting the open heart surgery, is it like, is it just it like smack you with like a a bunch of debt or? Well, I eventually did get insurance with. Uh, I went on the you know the marketplaces that Obama set up. Yeah. So I, I was able to find something I could afford. Uh, it's not great insurance in terms of like I got a huge. I do have debt. I have like a gigantic deductible. But it's better than nothing. It's better yeah. than, like, it would have bankrupted me if I didn't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. But I have a huge amount of money, but it's something I can afford to pay at least. Right. It's not going to put me, like, up. Yeah. And so what are, what, so surgery went well, obviously. You're here. Yeah. Um, what are the, uh, what are the, sort of the doctor's orders at this point? Uh, basically, I can't eat anything anymore, <laughs> anything I can enjoy. Yeah. It's all like bland chicken and fish and uh, fruit and vegetables yeah. and, uh, you know, no soda, no ice cream, no, no any of this stuff. Yeah. I used to, you know, I got to exercise. Uh, do you have to do physical therapy? I did. I was uh, actually in uh, inpatient physical therapy for a while. Yeah. Uh, which was a whole other thing. So I'm not doing therapy now, but uh, yeah. I was uh, that was fun being an inpatient yeah. uh, therapy with a bunch of senior citizens. <laughs> like right after <laughs> right after you had the the surgery, uh, what was your overall? I mean, were you just unable to really do much of anything? Oh yeah, I was I was out of it. I was like I was moving around like a, like a ninety year old man. I basically like uh, I was in my apartment. I have a little studio apartment. Just getting from the bed to the bathroom was a chore. Yeah. Like I just have to stop in halfway there and catch my breath. Yeah. Yeah. I live on a fifth floor walk up. I would be fucked if anything. Yeah. Oh, I would be screwed if I didn't have yeah. an elevator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would have been a lock in or what do they call that when you never shut uh, in. Shut yeah. In. yeah. <laughs> so you uh you came to our mic uh 
I guess a couple months ago, I feel like it was probably within a month or two months of your surgery, you were yeah. coming to the open mic doing really funny bits about this new stuff. How soon after a traumatic event, like a major surgery like that, do jokes start coming to mind? Uh, while I was in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, there were times when you feel okay and I grab the phone and I write premises. Yeah. Just weird stuff happened in the hospital. Not everything I, I know how to make funny yet. Right. But just like I, like I talked about the, the musician that came into my room. That was weird. Uh-huh. Yeah, I heard the, that bit. They sent a volunteer and said, do you, do you want some guy to play for you? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is the thing I would only do now that I'm a comic. Like before, before I did comedy, I've been like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Leave me alone. Yeah. But now I'm just like, yeah, I got to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, so and, the guy, and sure enough, a guy comes in with a loot. It starts, it starts, and like, well, what? I've never seen one of those in person. I love the idea of a loot player knowing. Well, I got to get stage time somewhere. I guess yeah. I'll go volunteer at the hospital. Yeah, there are all these like musicians like I, I, uh, getting time. Like, if you're yeah. a musician, hit up the hospitals and rehabs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're gonna get stage time. I'd love it if they like you're uh, like a, like a guy that plays like death metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that he asked me like, "Do I have any requests?" I was like, "I have, <laughs> I have no idea what you guys play." Uh, like, yeah, I was thinking that. What, what do I say, Metallica? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the loot. That's like a medieval instrument, right? Yeah, like was, they yeah. play for kings or whatever. Yeah, I was like play the theme to Game of Thrones. I have no idea. So you were treated like a king. Yeah, while you're in uh, re- recovery. Yeah, and they had a musician in rehab too. That was how long were you in there? In the hospital. Yeah. Uh, probably like three weeks in the hospital, probably another week and a half in physical rehab. Because uh, I also went back to the hospital a second time, like after they let me out, because I had like complications. Yeah. So that was a whole other ordeal. Has the dust settled? Like, do you feel do you feel good? Do you feel like it's what they did is working correctly and stuff? Yeah, I feel like I'm out about like ninety percent. Yeah. You know, ninety ninety five percent. Well, I mean, I, how do you compare your your quality of life now compared to before you even knew it was an issue? But we're um, it's much better. It's much better. Uh, well, certainly, like I was having symptoms for maybe six to eight months before the surgery, so it's definitely way better than that. Yeah, and I also like lost a lot of weight in the hospital, so I feel better. I love your uh, joke about how you lost like 30 pounds. Yeah. And so we're like, I'm going to go back for a bypass every month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a good weight. Yeah. Yeah. I got to lose the rest of this weight, man. Uh, yeah. I've, so far I've dropped like 40. So it's, it's it feels pretty good. That's yeah. great. What do you, when you do work out, are you going to a gym? Or are you like just walking right now? Right now it's just walking like yeah. three to four miles a day. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have like a come to Jesus moment with this where... You know, literally, or like, <laughs> I mean, for everybody's well, different. Luke some people it playing, is, yeah. Some people it Jesus is literal, appeared. and some people have like something else where they're just like, man, I, you know, I did uh, in terms of well, on two levels, I did think a little about God uh, while I was sitting there, uh, you know, uh, just trying to get over all this because I, I did have some pretty rough moments, like recovering, especially the week after. But I, my, I guess my biggest. I guess come to Jesus moment was I have to deal with what led me to that place. Yeah. And it was more than just food yeah, and, yeah. and drink. I have to deal with why I let myself get like that. Yeah. Yeah. And which was dealing with the depression. I've pretty much dealt with my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when I was like, I, I actually said that to the doctor. 
we have to deal with this yeah more than just like the physical issues but yeah like the i mean for you the food was was like probably like it wasn't even it's that a you're necessarily hungry or just no it wasn't it, anymore. it feels good yeah 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 with alcoholism they say like uh like the drinking is a symptom of much deeper issues so i assume with food you know acting out with food it's like yeah, there's a deeper depression going on, and that just is like a Band-Aid or something. Yeah, that's when I was like, you know, get me on whatever. Get me on whatever antidepressants. Yeah. Because it's clear I can't deal with this yeah. by myself anymore. So like, you're doing that. Do you, are, like, I go to I go to meetings. I go to therapy. I, I've never, I'm lucky in that I don't think I have depression. I probably have, like, anxiety issues, but... Oh, I have that too. Uh, a little OCD, a little anxious. Yeah. Do you do you do any sort of like therapy stuff I, like that? I haven't gone to therapy yet. I've just been going to. I've just been getting the, uh, the taking the Zoloft. Uh, yeah. But I haven't really had the, the need for therapy yet because the Zoloft is kind of working. It's kicking in. Yeah. It's definitely. It's keeping me even. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like stand up, if you do it right, can be like kind of a build your own therapy, like. Like some people talk about like tell jokes, not have a therapy session because some people just get up there and I certainly have done this many times and you just fucking sh- like go off on a tangent about whatever is bothering you or whatever, right. is, you know, and sometimes that can be fun. But like if you have it like a structured way, I think it can be both cathartic um, and also, you know, kind of causes you to have to think about like why things are the way they are, why yeah, you feel right. the way that you feel, like that kind of stuff. The best is when you go up and you just speak from the heart and just really let it out and, and you know, express yourself. And then it like it might not be funny that first time, but then when it leads to jokes, I find that to be so therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought like stand up would be enough for a while. Like it would take care of the therapy part, but for me, I clearly I needed both the yeah, yeah. therapy and the meds part. So maybe the comedy is kind of the, like the therapy portion for me. Yeah, yeah, um, it could be. I mean, I've been it. loving hearing it, and I yeah. think like anytime people hear somebody processing that's really going on, that's honest and true to them, and it's and it's funny, mm-hmm. it like makes people get so connected to each other. You right. know, because we, I mean. How much more relatable can you get than talking about a body part literally everybody has, you know? Right. So. Yeah. That, well, that's the issue I have is, like, trying to make it funny because there's, there's a lot of other stuff that happened that, like, I start to think, well, that was too dark. I don't know how to make it funny yet. Yeah. So I won't talk about it quite yet. Yeah. But then maybe, maybe again, then again, at least at a mic, I should just talk about it and not worry. When you were having complications, did they have to go back in and do any, like, do anything or did they just... Uh uh no i had uh what i had was a pneumonia mm. uh what i also had was i was scared that they did have to go in because w- they were saying that i had fluid building up around my lungs um and so at one point they were talking about like they'd have to go in with like a needle and try to extract that fluid the fluid and then you think about a needle close to my lungs mm. that was scary but then it turned out they didn't have to do that that's good uh, so i was like whew, avoided something there uh, so that, I was just in the hospital for another week, uh, you know, fighting off the pneumonia. Yeah. And all the, uh, I think I passed a kidney stone at one point, too. Jeez. I had it. Your body's <laughs> fucking pissed. My body yeah. was yeah. sort of getting its revenge on me. Although, you know, as, when you, as, worse as, it, as bad as it gets, there's always somebody, like, a little worse. Like, I was in the hospital, and they wheeled a guy in. Like, at one point, I didn't have my own room. 
and they wheeled in a guy with like no kidneys and pancreatic cancer. Oh, I was God. like, Whew, okay. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he was way more positive than me. <laughs> like, yeah. About the, whole, yeah. the whole experience. Like, I feel like you kind of have to be, you know? Yeah, he was like keeping my spirits up. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> you're like, thank God you're here, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll do it, buddy. <laughs> oh, my you God. can make it. <laughs> yeah. No, the whole time he was like, you're okay? Are you fine? Like at one time, at one point, the doctor had to tell him to be quiet because he kept chirping in. Like when the doctor was talking to me, he's like, he's like, Al, tell him about this and tell like, him about that. <laughs> tell him how you were coughing. He, all he was like your patient advocate. Yeah, he totally and, was. And you just met him. He doctor, was, my phantom kidneys hurt. He was defending me. Oh, that's so sweet, though, because yeah, yeah. it is, from what I understand, when you're in a hospital environment, like, sometimes you really do have to advocate for yourself and, like, say oh, yeah. what you need. And Yeah, you totally have uh, to. Because like, they'll just, like... They'll just like bulldoze you out as soon as possible. Well, they just keep like I was like, stop giving me stool softener. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shitting three times a day. Uh, just stop. They were like, oh, okay, we didn't know. I was like, I can tell you every day. Yeah, that's the one thing I don't miss about the hospital is someone asking you every day, did you take a shit today? Yeah, <laughs> like, did you get to- a sponge bath? Did you get sponge baths? Uh no, you don't. You have to do that yourself. They give you like a big like plastic tub. Uh, you just weren't disabled enough. That's yeah, I wasn't <laughs> fucked up enough. <laughs> uh, but I did want to ask you an important question, Alejandro. Uh, did you take a shit today? <laughs> yes, I did. All right, I'm good. Super good. regular. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back a little bit. So, if we, if I met you four and a half years ago, how, how, what was your comedy status at that point? How long had you, had you been doing it? Twenty fourteen. I started in 2010, so I would have been doing it four years. Cool. Yeah, because I saw an old... So you you introduced me to Dave LaBarca, who I've been emceeing shows for, and he runs the Gotham Writers Workshop for stand-up. He was the first class, I think. Yeah, yeah. Did I see on Facebook an old class photo of a show? Okay, so yeah, talk about that. What was happening in your life that you were like, you know what, I want to do stand-up comedy. I'm going to take this workshop. Um. I never thought I'd be like I'd be the person that turned into a comic and started doing it all the time. It was just like a for fun class. Yeah, it might as well have even like been a cooking class or whatever. I was a class taker. I remember one point I took a film class. Oh, cool! I took like dance lessons. That was like sixty pounds ago. <laughs> if you want to pick, you can't picture it now. But like I was just taking stuff, and some yeah. friend said, "Let's take a comedy class." I was like, "Sure, why not?" Who was your friend? Uh, Michelle. Or, I don't know. She's not doing it anymore. Yeah. But uh, were, you were a creative person always. Yeah. I just like. always... Do you have any people that you started with that are still doing it that you can think of? or From that original class? Yeah. I mean, it's no. tough. Because it's, it's tough. Even even after four years, it's it's really hard no, to... Couple, yeah. I mean, a couple of them still do Dave's show, yeah. but they don't regularly show up at Mike's and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was like the only one that wound up being a regular. I think one person started doing like more like improv stuff and shows like that, but not stand up. That's something I always think is funny when people do the re- like what I would call the reverse commute of comedy, where you go from stand up to improv. Like I've seen mm-hmm. the other way around, right? Um, but that's kind of like an interesting transition because stand up can be a means unto itself, but improv can never be. Yeah, yeah. I took the improv class, and that's what was, that. That was why I was like, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, There's, I love improv. And I yeah. think it's like a great. I think it's a great tool in the tool bag, and I think it really, um, for me, it helps keep my brain kind of going. Um, you know, it keeps, especially if like crowd work and just kind of feeling out the room, connecting with it on a, like a very real way. But um, 
there's people that just like devote like all of their time and energy into it. Right. And uh, it's really hard to get a return on that, so to speak, I guess. Yeah, if you don't get cast on Silicon Valley. Yeah, like people, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like people end up... Because uh, you have like the younger people that are trying to get into SNL and, and you know, 99.9999% of them won't. Um, and then you have other people that are just kind of, you know, they do commercial work and, and, and you know what, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all, you know, it's all valid stuff, yeah. but I mean, it's like, yeah. yeah why don't you do, just do stand up and like host some open mics, you know, like, then <laughs> yeah. you will have made it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, all right. So 2010, you take this class and you just took to it pretty, then you started miking regularly and stuff. Well, I'm trying to think. Actually, I, I first took a class of his in 2007. Oh, wow. And he had like a one-day class. And I took This is it. all Gotham stuff? Yeah, this is the same guy. He had like a one-day class, and I took it and just forgot about it. Yeah. And then in 2010, this is when my friend said, let's take this class. And when I asked her, I was like, oh, I took a one-day class oh, from funny. that dude. Let's do it again. And so I just took it, and uh, I did my first show. I did well, I, and I just kept doing mics. Yeah, kept doing that. And were you like a paralegal? Were you working in that world yeah, at the time? So were you like in a cubicle, like being funny and like like always wondering like how else could I express myself? And so you're doing like dance classes. I, I guess I was always a wise ass, but yeah, I was always looking for something else. I, I just I didn't know if I wanted to be funny, but I just know I didn't want my life to be a guy who organized files. Yeah, yeah. I, I would tell I don't want my legacy to be a, a well organized. <laughs> a box of paper yeah. that the company would destroy in seven years, according to the document retention policy. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't have any really legacy anymore or do anything anymore. Yeah. And your brother uh, Rick has done comedy he's also. He's done it a little too. Uh, he, he's not doing it currently. Yeah. But did you grow up in a funny family? Uh, yeah. I guess we were always trying to make each other laugh. And are you Puerto Rican? Yes, I am. Okay, so and talk about comment on Latin <laughs> culture and humor. Are you <laughs> Latin culture and humor. I'm trying to. Think oh, and t- is today the Puerto Rican Day Parade? It's tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow's the parade. Uh, today there's a big. There's usually a big festival in Spanish Harlem. Yeah, like right before the parade. Are you well, go? New York. New York used to be the largest population of Puerto Ricans in there. Yeah, but now I think it's Miami. Right. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, they're more like in Orlando and stuff. Oh, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Orlando, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Orlando, Tampa. Mm. So maybe, maybe I was hoping we could turn Florida around with yeah. all those Puerto Ricans. Oh in it. man! <laughs> it, but there's it, a lot of conservative Puerto Ricans, aren't there? There are like very like religious evangelical Puerto Ricans, but yeah. I think they mostly vote Democrat. Do you have any uh, family in Puerto Rico? I do, like extended family, aunts, um, cousins, stuff like that. Have you uh, have you been in touch or talked to any of them since the hurricane? Or I have, yeah, yeah, I have cousins that are always like posting about what's going on down there. So shit is pretty rough down there, and so that was another anxiety creating thing about me. Like during the past year, of course, yeah. I made it all by myself. It was the fact that I was sick and I was unemployed and I couldn't really do anything, like to at least help people right. in my immediate orbit. What are you doing with yourself now? Um, I just got back to work like a month ago. Doing paralegal work? Doing this, paralegal. That sounds like too soon to me. I feel yeah. like you need to take like six to eight years off <laughs> and just uh, yeah. focus on comedy. I wish I could. Well, I play the lottery every once in a while to see if I can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just got, I just starting to get back up again. Um, yeah. 
doing mics. I think I got a show next week or the week after that. You've been coming out to our mic every now and then? You, you, you came to the worst part of New York City today, last minute for us. And I'm actually already <laughs> feeling like, oh, shit, that's like that's pretty major to ask of you to come. Where'd you come from? Where do you live? Right I now? live in uh, Upper East Side. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for making the oh, trip. Oh, no. I actually got a good walk in before I came here. You're, I, you're just like, you're just somebody I'll never forget because I feel like those first months of doing comedy is just so, it just sucks so bad. And like, I just remember always thinking you were so funny and I liked, I, I just like seeing you around and I, I used to host uh, the Buddha mics a lot and, uh, I always, uh, knew you were a person that, uh, if the room was a little wonky, like I could bring you up and you were going to, yeah, you were going to connect with folks. Well, the Buddha mics, people kind of shit on them, but they, they're the ones that got me back into comedy. Well, for the simple time that, the, for the simple fact that they started at six thirty, Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, cause I started, I started at Broadway comedy club, actually, those mics were always at five or five thirty. Oh yeah. And I could never get like a job where I worked till five thirty, And, so I started going into Buddha mics for the simple fact that I could make them. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They, they started at six thirty, and that's what got me going up regularly again. Yeah. So I remember uh, once uh, you, you you told me you were going to quit once, and uh, that's when I said, "What are you going to do, Alejandro? <laughs> Join a bowling league?" I always think about that, <laughs> uh, which I always think about too, because I do feel like that's sort of like a bottom line for me too. It's like. What if else this, are you gonna do? If this ever becomes too much and it just feels like a total dead end, I'll say fuck it. I I, 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 I was in a bowling league one time. <laughs> I was, but I think I I think I would I think I could find a way to go on stage to do stand up once a week, and that might be enough for me. Oh, I I got to tell you from personal experience, it's not. <laughs> no, but I mean, if I change my framing of it, if it's truly no. like I just want to. No. Tell some jokes in no. front of people. Uh-uh. Do you think it's the kind of thing where you, you already know, know I, too much? And I, I just... was having a discussion. That I, this was like probably a while ago, but like, y- yes, everybody should be able to do whatever the fuck they want. If you want to go do comedy once a week, go do comedy once a week. Um, if that's what makes you happy. I think that's kind of psychotic too, because the fact of the matter is if you do it once a week, it's impossible to improve. And if anything, you're going to get slowly worse over time because mm. you're just doing it once a week. So you're just going to collect any kind of shit habits. Um, you know, it's, you know, you're going to have like a hodgepodge of ideas and it's just, you don't have the efficiencies of, uh, okay, this is what I'm working on. I'm going to tweak it this way, do this thing. Um, it, I just, just once a week, I don't think we'll cut it for most people. And it, and I think it ends up being more depressing than it is. And cause I've had to do it. Like I've had periods of time in my life um, you know, the past year where I, I was like, I had, to, I could only really make it to like one, maybe two a week. And it's just disheartening because you see your peers uh, get better and better and better. Oh, and you're yeah. just like, you're standing still, or that it's part. like you're standing on like an icy hill and just slowly sliding back, you know, and it's like, you're, it, it, it's very frustrating. Or you see people that started after you passing you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the worst feeling when yeah. you're like, they've been doing this half of the time that I have and they're definitely better than I well, am. Let right me now. paint this picture. I think what I'm, I'm saying is like, if it ever comes to like when all that becomes too much and yeah. I'm like, you know, I don't even want to be in this race anymore. Move up to the suburbs near my hometown, bring my wife, have a kid and then run a bar show once a week or something uh-huh. or a restaurant show or something where Guys like you come up from the city, do real spots. Uh, somebody MCs. I don't MC it. I think and then you I take just a, do a rap 
like ten minute ten minute spot. I think you should resurrect Pat Miscellaneous. Oh yeah, just be get back into hip hop as a forty year old man. Hell yeah. Well, I think the way I took Patrick's advice was like you can do it just to enjoy it, and you don't have to be there. Like, oh, if I don't make the Tonight Show, I'm a failure. I'm a right. loser. Like yeah. you could just like you're gonna do something. I guess work. the problem is, is I see it from my perspective, which is not a particularly healthy perspective. Which is just like if you're doing something and you're not build, you're not getting anywhere with it. Like it's disheartening. Yeah. Now, I think there's other people that could make use of it and not feel any pressure one way or another. Like there are people that are perfectly happy, for instance, doing improv and just doing it. And, um, it's never going to lead anywhere. There's no means to an end there. It's just something that they really enjoy and they just do it. And I can, I I, I can appreciate that. Like this, or, you know, or there's some people that like will go to a, uh, the equivalent of an open mic for improv and just do like a scene with somebody and they just do that once a week and that's all they do. Well, I think that's when you can get into some heady philosophical shit and just like say like there literally is no future or past. Like all we really have is this present moment. And it's like, what are you going to do in this present moment to be your fullest version of yourself? You know? Right. And like, I think improvisers, the cornerstone of improv is being present. Right. So like for them, it's kind of very healthy to like sure. not care about what the goal is or whatever. I also think like, like now is like now I might be able to only do it like maybe once or twice a week, but I don't know what my situation is going to be like six months from now. Maybe six yeah. months I can go back to doing it every day. So maybe it's better to keep my toe in the water yeah. than to just completely stop. No, no, no. I know? do agree with that. Like if it's like once a week versus not at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think, uh, I guess it is, I guess my opinion is just derived from the fact that I do feel like improv or, or stand up or, uh, some of these other things are, uh, you know, they're, well, they're, they're, they're all art forms. Right. Right. And I think it's a little bit easier and more simple if you like drawing or playing a guitar or doing something else where you don't require an audience and you can just dabble at it. You know, you can like sit at your desk and draw something or you could uh, play a little ditty out in your back porch. If you, if you had a back porch, uh, you know, something like that. But with, with something like stand up where you require an audience, you know, right. And then just to get up there, at least from, from my experience, and see that the response that you're getting from the audience is less. It would be almost like if you were playing the guitar at home and you're just, your ability to pluck the strings just got worse. And then Eddie Van time. Halen comes in. And he's <laughs> right. Like, hey, you mind if I play that for a oh, second? And Eddie Van Halen, by the way, has been playing guitar for half the time that you have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's where it becomes an inside job and you just have to, you have to decide how, right. how you're going to handle that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, look, it's for each, everybody's got their own thing and then, and I think it's wrong to like judge people or put your own values on them. But, but I think for Alejandro, I think now's now you have something to say, you know, like you right. now, now you don't even have to do comedy. You can go do a, a one man show. That's hilarious about uh, health stuff and fucking kill it, man. Yeah. I mean, I think again, I think about like, I guess I have to get to the point where I just get over where I have to kill every second. Yeah. And yeah. just, just talk about it. Um, Cause there's things in, well, especially at a mic. Yeah. Cause there's things that ho- happen in the hospital that I'm like, that's, I don't know. I think that'd be interesting to talk about, but there's no laugh line. Well, so, sometimes uh, in talking about it, you yeah. find it funny. Well, I, dude, you could go to so many storytelling mics where like people yeah. talk with no laugh lines and usually their stories are about 
like the lamest stuff and you now have a story that has so much stakes yeah that, that, that it's like yeah like i was thinking about like before the surgery like i don't know if you guys had any type of surgery but when you have surgery you you, you fade to black when mm. you get the anesthesia so like you don't have any memory of it you don't have any like even dreams that is crazy so i'm starting to think like maybe this is what death is like Maybe you're dead yeah, right now. Dead. Well, no, my, well, Could you, you imagine know. the Comics Table podcast was a part of the afterlife? Yeah. My dad, my dad's appendix blew up, uh-huh. and uh, he like woke up three days later. Oh god! And it was just like, and he was like, you know, that time was just gone. Yeah, yeah. it's gone. Like it was just gone, and there was no. It, you know, he just blinked out and blinked back in, and three days were gone. That's crazy. And he, and you know, and yeah, it, it had the same effect. Where he was thinking about like. Well, I mean, that seems that's kind of what death is, I guess. Yeah. And well, the worst part is I had knee surgery a few years before this. So going into the heart surgery, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. So I'm like looking around the room, like trying to absorb everything, yeah. talking to the doctors because I'm like, what if these were my last moments of consciousness? Oh, my God. Yeah. And because like if I die in the middle of surgery, I won't know. I like, can't even. <laughs> I can't even. I mean, I, I freak out. I've had to get an endoscopy because yeah. I, I do get really bad reflux. And they put that up your butt or that's down the throat? Down the throat. And I, honestly, like I should probably get one again because chances are i have some damage in there mm-hmm. um but i it, it freaks me out it, fr- it freaked me yeah. out just for that just to like have them put you under mm. and you just don't know are you under for that one yeah they have to put you under for it and uh um yeah i mean and i can't imagine if i knew what they were doing was they were going to be fucking opening my chest up holy fuck like, yeah i i mean you're such a funny silly guy in your material and how you write jokes and the kinds of punchlines you come up with i would I would love to hear you just go to a mic and just talk out loud about those moments and, and like, and then make jokes about, am I dead right now? Yeah. Is this, you know, those kinds of th- That's so funny. Well, when I was in the hospital, I was like, oh, I got to talk about more serious shit now. No more of this bullshit. And then once you're out of mic, you're like, uh, yeah, I just want to get lost. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I think, I, you know, I think yeah. you can balance it though. Yeah. You know, you can, you can do, uh, you can do the the meat and potato stuff, but you can also do you know some salad, yeah, or a little so little little comedy soda, right? <laughs> yeah, a little comedy soda, a bowl of pudding on the side. Yeah, no, I think you know I I love uh, actually I was in a so I was in the comedy festival yesterday, and the note that I got from the um, which I thought was a good note from the uh, the the person there like judging it, mm. they were judging it for like the two people that were going to be on the next day. And I knew I wasn't going to get picked even before I went up just cause it was just, I was like, there's no, there's no catch for me for them to do that. Um, but anyway, so like I, uh, I got off and like, she really liked my stuff, but she was like, you started off with this dick joke. Like I do this kind of like silly joke at the beginning of like, Hey, do you, I'm a psychic comedian. Do you want to suck my dick? Um, which I think is funny. I just think it's, and it's literally a pudding, it's a pudding of a joke. It's a soda of a joke. Yeah. It's it, it's it's, it's candy. It's candy. There's no um I just like the way it tastes, but there's yeah. no nutrients yeah. in it at yeah, all. I have shit like that. Um but then, you know, the rest of my stuff was was a little bit more uh hearty. Hearty. It's a hearty and meal. so, you know, her her comment was like, You set me up to make me think that you're like this dick joke comic and then you went on to do these like really well written, interesting jokes and it threw me off because i kept waiting for the 
dick jokes to come back in and then they didn't um i was like that's really interesting it's funny like you know but i think that you can so yeah like if you start off with that and then you try to get into the heady stuff it can be yeah you know yeah. Uh, but i mean like uh pat oswald is a good example he uh you know he has all his latest album was all about losing his wife but before he does that I've seen him do it live. And I've seen him on the album. He'll just do some crowd work for a little bit. Oh, okay. Like, so he would do some jokes and then he would do, you know, just on politics or whatever else. Then he would just do some random crowd work um, for like five minutes. And then he would get into like, okay, this is the, this is the shitty heavy stuff now. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, I had, yeah, I had a friend tell me, uh, well, Richard Pryor talked about, you know, how he was doing, free bass and he burnt himself up and oh, yeah. it was pretty heavy and i was like okay note to self be comedic genius yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all you gotta do that's all i like people tell me like oh we don't know what to talk about just do right like, there like just you, do like Chappelle. go on stage and start talking yeah oh, okay just be i don't, I don't know genius. if it would be too inside <laughs> baseball kind of jokes but you could literally talk about like struggling with how to take something serious and make it funny yeah. funny yeah. and like the conversations you're having with people because that's funny right yeah, in and yeah. of itself well i did talk about like oh crap i had open heart surgery and all i got out of it was four minutes <laughs> i want a healthy heart too but yeah <laughs> <laughs> fucking four minutes that's not enough yeah yeah uh what what are the next like so right now when you do think about this stuff does it freak you out or does it excite you that there is more to mine and there's more to look into God, well, I am like more excited that uh, I'm excited that I'm, I'm able to do it. That was like the motivating thing when I was in the hospital. It's like just get healthy. I want to yeah. get up again. Yeah, I want to get out there again. Do you think um, before and, you you kind of t- kind of stop doing it? Can you think back to like do you have a moment where you felt like you were really kind of at the top of your game? Was there, was there like any kind of show or something like? Yeah, that? there was a show at Broadway Comedy Club that I did where I did like 20 minutes and I just killed for like the whole 20 minutes. And uh, that's when I felt it was really, especially since it was not a planned thing. Right. It was like not an expected thing. Like I had gone to the show with the expectation of doing like six minutes and it was one of the Barker shows. Yeah. And I would come in and then like every five minutes he kept coming up to me and go, kept going, okay, you can do eight minutes. And he'd come back, okay, you can do 10 minutes. And I don't know if people were no showing on him, but by the time I got on the stage, he, um, he uh, he actually had someone, uh, like he said, like 12 minutes or something. And, and he actually had, I think it was Melissa Diaz who was hosting. She actually interrupted my set and handed me a note that said, you can go up to 20 minutes. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so I was like, uh, so that was a moment where I felt really good because I, 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 I did really well for the whole time and it was unexpected. That's such a fucking yeah. shit way yeah. to do that. Yeah. Though, but <laughs> yeah. but I really think, I remember that show, it was like one of those shows with newbies, like it was a class and yeah. they, they bring their friends and stuff. And uh, they were all getting off early. They were all like, oh, you know, yeah. they yeah. would give them six minutes and they would do four and a half. Or, yeah. So there was all this time. At yeah. the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the best feeling when you're in the pocket, yeah. everything's working. Like the things you wrote that only sometimes work are just killing. Yeah. That's the fucking best. And it almost feels like you're talking to the audience. Like I don't know what's better or worse though. Like yeah. I've gone to com- comedy clubs and done spots where they tell me they're going to give me five minutes and then 20 minutes goes by before they light me. They oh. don't tell me that I have more than five minutes. 
they're just like, I know that I'm not supposed to get off till they light me. Yeah. And so I'm up there for 20 minutes. And on one hand, that's kind of crappy because you're just like, well, I was prepping for my brief little five minute soiree. Um, but on the other hand, it's like the, the handing you a note when you're in the middle of your thing. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, like, yeah, I, I even, I made a joke out of that. I said, hello, they handed me a note, said your career is over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's unprofessional. Uh, that's but, so funny. Yeah. That, yeah. It's, yeah. I would have, yeah. I don't know what I would have done to have made it clear to the audience. Like, yes, everyone just saw me receive a note. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you got to <laughs> say something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was so awkward, like coming up in yeah. the middle of a set and just walking on stage and handing me a note. I got to <laughs> say, I do hate it when comics end early on it. Even if it's a mic I'm working on, it's like we're doing shit. Like we think we're going to do four and a half minutes like or five minutes. Try to do the five minutes. Or like if you're going to end early, like say, I'm going to end early and then draw out something so that the host knows to like because sometimes I just want to play a song, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. and it sucks when that moment gets killed. Oh, when you're on one of these mics that's actually six or seven minutes, and they complain about the extra two minutes. Yeah, have you even seen that? Like, yeah, it's like uh, you signed up for it, buddy. <laughs> like, it said seven minutes in the notice. Well, I and I think yeah. comics that that do that, they're they're really missing the point. You know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, well, first of all, I don't think mics are a place for people's a material unless you. Uh, unless you have like something you're working on for a specific thing and you're like, I have to do these specific five minutes cause I'm on this show or right. whatever else. And I, I got to do this specific stuff in this specific order. Um, but yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I always think it's funny when people, uh, I, I, in my opinion, I don't think somebody who's just giving time back, uh, it, it is setting themselves up for success in the future with comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've ever given time back. There's been plenty of times where I wanted to say fuck it, fuck you guys, screw this. Like, what am I doing? The first time I was at LOL, I I did do that because, and this was this. And that's a show. It was a show, but what happened was, they told me I only had five minutes. I get up there, I did my tight five, no sign of a light. Keep going. No sign of a light. And I had kind of keeping at that tight five cadence the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I got out to like 20 minutes and I got to the point where I'm like, I don't have anything left in the tank. Yeah. Like I've, I've, I've gone through everything. Um, and, uh, and then I saw that the host was right over there by the stage, just not lighting me. So I was like, okay guys, I'm going to like re- leave you on this thing. Yeah. Um, and like did one more joke and then got off. Mm. And the fucking MC after was like, oh, man, why did you get off? Like, I didn't light you. And I'm like, and I'm like, because you said fucking five minutes and I was up there for like 22 minutes. Yeah. Um, which honestly, like now that was a learning experience because I realized like you just got to be prepared to yeah. be up there forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, you know, my first spot at a real show, I got off early, but it was that same thing where, yeah. where, where the MC was like, no, you, you it was that learning experience. Like, right. no, you got to fill the time. Right, because yeah. you know you just don't know what's going on right, just behind exactly. the scenes. Like so, somebody, you yeah. might be stretching because Seinfeld's going to drop in, right, right, right. And then like the MC who's already done all this like heavy lifting all night. Yeah, like, fuck. Now I have to do right. this time. Yeah. So that was, but that was like I didn't make that mistake after that, and I just would always assume that I was going to be up there for thirty minutes, and um, that's done. That's done so well for me. Going because there's been plenty of times yeah. when they say five minutes and I get fifteen twenty. Whatever. Yeah. 
I just got nervous because I wasn't getting the laugh that I thought I was I was going to get. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the hardest thing. Like, cause that time starts to warp. You know, like when when it's silent, one minute feels like five minutes. Yeah, and when you're killing, it's like you want to stay up there forever and bask in it. Yeah, and the time flies. It's so weird how that feels. The best the best feeling is when you're doing super well. But you're also like, I'm kind of at the tail end of the good stuff that I want to do. And they're lighting me. It's perfect timing. Yeah, Yay. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. That's the best because then you feel like I've done everything I intended to do. It went super well. And I'm getting off not before, you know, I'm not getting off too soon. You know, like that's, that's, a, that's nice. Yeah. And Alejandro is like blowing the light in life right now in a positive way. <laughs> That's right. What do they say? Like, uh, you're, like, so if you have one of these kinds of things, what do they say for, I mean, are they like, you're going to, you can basically live a perfectly healthy life going forward or. Yeah. They said you can have a normal life afterwards as long as you, um, don't you know, ever enjoy meals. Don't, yeah. don't enjoy meals and yeah. uh, don't anything eat anything that tastes good, but it's bad for you. No. I mean, like you, if you take care of it, you could live on normal life yeah um yeah another comic i don't know if i should say him also told me that they 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 messaged me while i was in in the hospital which was very nice and they told me that they had the same thing oh really and uh and and they were living just fine with it. they just had to really take care of themselves yeah so yeah uh upper east side do you live near that park where uh the mayor's house is yeah the carl gracie isn't it gracie manor something gracie mansion mansion but yeah. that part, the park it's in. Is it mansion or manor? Mansion. I thought it was mansion. But I could it's be probably wrong. mansion. It's a manse. Anyway, that park's beautiful. Do you ever walk up through there? I do. Yeah. I like picturing you how, on walks. Do you listen to music or sets or anything? I listen to music. I listen to my Spotify. And do you have sunglasses on and you're walking a small dog? <laughs> I just, I just I love, love picture you have Alejandro <laughs> out there in the world taking care of himself on yeah, this yeah. journey. Yeah. It just feels good to walk anywhere, you know, just happy. Like, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, the Zoloff is really working like a motherfucker. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just content. I, like, I was in the hospital, like, I was, like, excited to get out there again. Are there any, um, are there any comedy bits that you've lost, kind of, like, where you're, like, now that I've had this experience, I don't identify with this anymore. I can't do I, this material anymore. Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot uh, and talking to a friend of mine about, because I used to do a lot of stuff making fun of my weight. Mm-hmm. And while I was in the hospital, I was like, maybe I can't do that anymore. Because that shit ain't funny anymore. Right. That shit almost killed me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I, but I, and I don't know what the answer to that is yet. Because I know I'm going to get to the point where I'm like, fuck it. I just want to laugh. <laughs> well, that's, but I, I just don't know. I mean, what you just said is like such a great thesis statement, such a great emotion to come from to write bits about that you know like used to be the fat guy or whatever whatever the perspective is like that's actually really interesting you know uh you know um i was just talking about this like kind of more grotesque thing uh before we were recording um somebody mentioned something about the fact that like um chris farley there was like picture like a picture of him like after he died kind of thing um and I was like, there's no way that that could be out there. So like the morbid curiosity got the best of me. And I like just did like a literally two second search and there it was. Picture of his death photo. Yeah. And it was just horrific, man. I mean, it was just horrible. Um, Where did he die? Like he died. So I think he was, he was, either, hotel room? he was, 
either in his apartment or somebody else's apartment. They're having a party. Um, he did a whole shitload of drugs and he was already in this situation where his, his heart was not in good shape at all. Um, so like a lot of the doctors were like, even if he hadn't done all that partying, like it would have got caught up to him anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, so he did all this partying on top of it and the combination of like a bunch of Coke and the fact that his heart was like working at 50% capacity. Um, so it was just horrible, you know, it's just a I would suggest anybody do not look this up because it, it's horrible seeing him in right. that state. Um, but it did also uh, bring into clarity some of the things. Like when you look at some of his comedy bits, like a lot of the stuff that he would do was around just how heavy he was. Right. And I mean, he made great use of it because he would kind of move in a, in a nimble way. Yeah. Um, even just being the super heavy guy. Um, but but yeah, man, it took away all humor. Yeah. around that because you're just kind of like he you're like man he was just kind of well, a caricature of himself and mm-hmm. and uh you know people talked like you know he was very you know he he was a depressive personality and like he, he he kind of like coped with it by doing like coke and stuff like that and i'm like well, i don't i'm not i mean i'm not surprised like if if you're like a caricature of yourself mm. and uh you know like, look at uh, um, Horatio Sands, for instance. He was a really heavy guy. And then I think he got the lap band or, or something like weight, that. Yeah. He lost a bunch of weight. And then, like, you know, and it really d- took a hit on his, his his comedy career because everything was based around, like, I'm this kind of giggly heavy guy, heavy guy you yeah. know? Um, well, so, and also, you talked about denial. Every, every time someone like Chris Farley would die, like, he was really heavy and had a heart yeah. attack, instantly, like, my mind would go, Oh, he did coke. I didn't do that. Right. Like right, I would right. find a difference, like yep. a reason to feel better about myself. Right. Uh, well, he, you know, he was a heavy drinker. I don't, I'm yeah. not a heavy drinker, uh, so I don't have to worry. But really, I did have to worry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's but, it, you know, it, it's just it, it's the same thing of like there's comedians up there that they joke about how bat like heavy heavily they drink and how much it fucks their life up and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, this isn't really that funny to me because I just feel like I instantly felt that after feel bad for after you, my yeah. surgery and yeah. I, I went into a mic and I saw a heavy comedian joking about it. Yeah. And I looked at him and I went, Oh and I was confused and I was like, should I be I was just doing the same thing a few months ago. Right. Mm. Should I feel but but at the same time I know the reality of it like being in the hospital, that shit ain't fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. ain't that funny. But I'll, look, on the flip side, I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate here for a second. Like, sure. there are people that are bigger because they're just bigger people. Yeah, and I think it's it, it can be fun if you're just joking about who who you are and what you look like physically. Just right, you know, just be you know, take a little some pot shots at yourself in order to kind of get the audience kind of feeling like, oh, this is like a nice kind of humble, per, you know, you know, that kind of logic of like, I'm just going to yeah. point out the things that are shitty about myself. Yeah. I, think I, I have a couple of fat jokes I still want to do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think there might be some kind of golden ratio, you know, like yeah. of like for every, for every self-deprecating th- shitty thing I say about myself, maybe there's an, another thing to say that's solution oriented yeah. or something like, even, cause yeah. I, I ruminate probably too much on the negative like for it's weird like for comedy rooms i make fun of like how lame it is that i'm a sober guy or whatever and i make fun of how lame it is to have to be sober or whatever and now i want to do material to to for like educational purposes like not necessarily for comedy clubs about why sometimes it's good to make a decision like that and like i actually am living a life i'm proud of right and i have to come up with material that's funny that makes that point 
but it's mm. it's so much easier to make jokes about why like something negative, shitty negative be stuff, negative. Yeah. yeah, but you can be a super positive and 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 like exist off that. You know, there's plenty of comedians out there um, that uh, let me see Tom Segura. I really like him, and he Pete, Pete Lee too. Oh yeah, Pete Lee. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like I think like I would say Tom's like jokes. Uh, he's he's a pretty positive guy, but he does like some self-deprecating things, but like not in like a, I'm feeling sorry for myself yeah. way. And he's like a sarcastic, real sarcastic kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like, I also feel like part of it is just forcing yourself to go through the pain of birthing new material. Yeah. When you're so used to just getting laughs a certain way. Oh, it's hard, dude. And, and yeah. then to go back and go like you go to a mic and you do new stuff, and especially if there's people that don't know you. And your head starts to go to work. At, oh, they think I'm not funny. Yeah, <laughs> they think I suck. Yeah, they think I'm a newbie. I mean, yeah, I'm, and I'm you want to yeah. you want to like catch them afterward and be like, I swear I'm usually funny. <laughs> yeah. I've been struggling with that big time because you know uh, for the past year there's been periods of time where I've had to kind of step back from comedy for a bit, and then yeah, and then you get back into it and like. You know, I, I would be used to like hosting a Buddha room and everybody knew me and like mm-hmm. I had my kind of thing, my rhythm and everything that I did. And like, so I'd be used to just go in there and I'd be like, Bleh! and people would be like, <laughs> and then now it's like I go to a room and I'm putting out like stuff that I feel is like really solid material and there's just crickets and it's, it's a hard, it's a hard reality. It's, yeah. it's hard to make that transition. Yeah. How do you know when something's funny? Like how many times do you have to do it? I think, well, you know, I think that's a good question. I don't know if there's a, like, a clear I had, cut answer to that. I had a that. person to LaBarca actually told me once early on, he told me you have to do it like 25 times. Oh, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't think there's a set <laughs> number. I, I, I don't think, think there's a set number either, but I think the point he was trying to make yeah. was like, don't do it three or four times. Right. I think it, you're right. done. No. Yeah. yeah. I think in your own mind, you have to be like, I like this or I don't like, like if you love something, even if everybody else doesn't, I think you need to still work on it until everybody loves it the way that you do. Right. But if you do something like three or four times and you're like, I don't like anything about this, it's probably never going to get any better. So that's you, true. And even then I'm like, I don't think anybody should throw out anything. You just, you put it away and then you come back to it later. Maybe, you know, a year from now you pick that joke back up and you're like, Oh this was what I was missing yeah. on this. Yeah. And then it breaks it open, you know? Yeah. Um, sure. I think, I, I think if like, there's a couple little lines or like th- connectors that I, I, I'll catch myself doing, I'll like watch tapes and I'm like, you tried to make that little thing funny like 10 times on real shows, not even mics, and nobody's laughed at that <laughs> yet. Might as well <laughs> fucking move on from it. Stop trying to make it work. But yeah, it might be one of those things that gets revisited. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I think like five to ten times of something being absolutely not funny, like clearly not funny, then yeah. it's like it needs to be edited. But Yeah, or a, like I said, you just put it away until you can look at it with fresh eyes. A, f- a few times of something like killing consistently, it's like, all right, that's a that's good to go, you know. But it can always be better, I'm sure. Um, Alejandro, do you have like anything coming up that you want to tell people about? Do you have, uh, doctor's oh. appointments or shows <laughs> or whatever? I'm going to be killing at the cardiologist's office in two weeks. <laughs> no, don't follow. kill there. No, no, I don't want to kill there. I just have a follow-up visit. Yeah. Uh, I got shows at Broadway comedy club at the 14th, 21st and 28th. Nice. So, well, we're so I... glad you're doing well, man. Thank yeah, you, you know, I, I appreciate just like sitting down with you talking about some real fucking shit that happens. And this is things like this happen in the life of comedians. And yeah. you got to like work your Absolutely. jokes around it, you know? 
Right. We're huge thanks. fans, so and thanks for yeah, coming we're, on. We're, we're glad you're doing on. well. We think you're hilarious, and we want to keep seeing you come out to the the shows, guys. Yeah. We have our, uh, our our mic maybe uh, every week at five forty-five, and our show Thursdays. every th- Thursday, and our show every Thursday nine p.m. at the V Spot on St. Mark's. It's been great shows. It's man. been great shows. We've had Mark Norman. We have had Sean Patton. We've had Aaron McGuire. Patrick Holbert. Tristan Smith's been on the show. It's been a great. Uh, it's been a great deal. Maybe we we'll should have, say who's been. Maybe who, we'll have Ale- Alejandro Barrero. Yeah. Oh, Seton Smith killed it the other night? Or that was another show. Anyway, it's a great show, great room. We really want people to come out. All right. All right, guys. You've been listening to The Comics Table. I'm Sweet T. And I'm Sweet P. Take care, everybody.